Hello and welcome to Bros Watch PLL2, our Pretty Little Liars podcast on TimeTravelMurderMystery.com. I am Benjamin Light. Yes, you are. And I am Marco Sparks. Yes, you are. And mm. today we're talking about S2E4, entitled Blind Dates. <laughs> what do you think about this episode? Eh, it's, uh, it's moving things along. I can't remember. Are you one of the people who likes Hannah or doesn't like Hannah? What a fascinating question. I like Hannah. You like Hannah? Who doesn't like Hannah? One of our listeners is like, Hannah's like their number one. Um, maybe like my number four. Really? You don't like Hannah? I don't dislike Hannah. I would just put, uh, you know, you put Hannah, you'd put Hannah behind Emily. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not, I, there's other cast members besides just the main four. Um, I would, I would, if I was doing just the main four, I would go, uh, probably Spencer, Arya, Hannah, Emily. Okay, that's fair. Would you go any I differently? Think, well, I think it, it's an alternating scale between Spencer and, and Arya. Hmm. There are times when Arya is, you know, Queen Arya, and there are other times, like moments in this episode where Spencer <laughs> is just on point. Isn't she always so? Well, yeah. As long as she's not doing that tennis guy. When Spencer's like crazy, Spencer's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a fascinating episode because it's called Blind Dates. It doesn't feature Jenna or Ezra or a lot of the like unnecessary. No like, Toby, I don't think. Yeah, no Toby. Yeah. Um. Well, because they have to make room to bring, like, the therapist and, like, fucking Lucas and stuff. But. Therapy and, yeah. It's, I, I enjoyed this episode, though. This is, like, a, a big Hannah episode, I would say. Yeah. Uh, hardcore Hannah. Hefty Hannah is replaced by Hardcore Hannah. Let's get down to it. Um, so, the opening. We have Spencer back at the pawn shop trying to get the ring back that she pawned. So... We're a little, it's been some time since we watched and recorded last episode. My understanding was that she pawned Melissa's ring with no mm-hmm. intention of buying it back to get the cash to go buy Toby his truck. No, I, I think she really did intend to get the cash. She just needed like to wait for the bank to open or something. So like Spencer has two grand just like sitting in her bank account. I'm sure her parents do. Okay. Well, I mean, that's fine. I mean, how do you think that goes down in the Hastings household? She's just like, Dad, can I have two grand? And Dad's like, "Well, okay." Yeah, they just have it in the uh, the daughter's like petty cash fund. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she she comes back with the cash to buy the ring from the guy from the pawnbroker, and this guy is interesting. This guy's weird. He sort of looks like a, an older version of like uh, Alan Tudyk. Yeah. And he, he, like, pretends to, like, not know who she is at first, even though she's like, hi, I'm back two days later, you know? Yeah, it's been the whole 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he, he's, like, he makes her get the cash out, and then he goes with her ticket to, like, you know, find the item, and brings back a rusty horseshoe for her. And she's like, uh, yeah, this isn't the ring. And I like how she just starts ordering him around, you know? Yeah. Well, and he plays it, like, he doesn't even play up the old, like, well, somebody came in here long after, not long after you were here, and they told me that you're a liar, and they bought the ring, and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. He literally acts like, this is the item. Like, I'm I'm clearly sticking it to you, but I'm going to play it very dryly. Yeah. 
Yeah, he just plays dumb. Which, like, leaves Spencer even more frustrated and flustered. And she's um, like, you get back there and you find it. Meanwhile, the other three girls are, like, outside. Uh, we see that this pawn shop seems to be, like, at the end of an alley where the, yeah. only, where the only homeless people in Rosewood hang out, besides well, Caleb. Appropriately, Arya proclaims, this place is skeevy. Yeah. As there's, like, about- some homeless guy, like, du- literally dumpster diving. Can we talk about Arya's hair? Uh, go ahead. I actually had some notes about Hannah's hair in this episode, but if you want to talk about Arya. I free. don't know how to describe. I mean, can you physically describe? I, I, I know what it reminds me of, but can you physically describe her look in this scene? Why don't you go ahead and describe it? Well, she's like, I like her hair up. And I don't know what you call those things. That kind of like made look from a few years ago with the, hand, with the handkerchief and the hair. Mm-hmm. All I wrote down is that Aria looks like a cholo or chola understudy for Greece. All right. That's what I wrote down. I think the, the more interesting thing is that after, or I guess we should mention Emily is still stressing about the like unearned pride she's got from her mom. So that's, that's what she's talking about. Uh, Spencer gets all bossy, but uh, it's not doing anything. So she just, I assume she takes some money with her. I don't think she's going to give that money up for a, Horseshoe. She also takes the horseshoe. Yes, takes the horseshoe as well. Uh, I know she's got her raccoon eyes going again. Yeah. It's always a good sign. And they get outside, and of course they immediately get a text from A that says, Just my luck, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Well, their phones all go off, so the girls all kind of like, oh, and they reach for like their phones. <laughs> There's like a momentary look of just like resigned dread on Arya's face. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then, so they get the text, and I'm sure you'll be happy uh, that yes. they start. You really seem to harp on this, and I'm not sure why, but they, they do look around a little, and of course they can't see A, because A's not there. They do notice that uh, there's a billboard nearby for an optometrist named Dr. Lars Thorwald. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very obvious Gatsby reference. This yeah. big set of eyes looking at them. Someone's watching you look your best. There appears to be a camera hidden within one of the eyes in the eyeglasses. Yeah. Um. So that's why there's no need for them to look around. A A has like surveillance on them. Obviously, they're not going to look up and be like, "Oh my God, there's A." But I mean, like, every single time A has like a hidden camera somewhere. Are they just resigned to that fact that A will always have a hidden camera? Just I think they're I think they're resigned to the fact that they're not going to magically look up and spot A. Like that's not going. You were in their situation. Would if I was in their situation three months in, three months in, I would just get used to the idea that like I'm being watched. I think I wouldn't you look would up just... and look around every single time. Like, oh, this time I'm gonna catch them. Surely they're just standing right over there texting me, and I you're just, just gonna bend over and take it every time. I would take the camera then. Well, it's pretty high up on the billboard. I don't know if you could get up there. I mean, but, but I mean, every different situations, I'm sure the camera's not going to be super high up. I would take the camera, make a guy go buy another camera, or I would hatch some kind of brilliant Spencer plan where we like put the spot under surveillance for when a I, comes back to the camera. I, then a would just do something horrible to you. I don't, I don't think you'd last very long with a, a didn't get where she got by uh, not falling through on threats when she needs to. This is true. So yeah, they close up on the eye, which uh, is most likely has a camera in it, and it's brilliant because then they cut to the credits, where the first image is a close up of an eye, very similar eye. Yeah. Doctor Lars Thorwald, by the way, I believe is the character's name in Rear Window. Hmm. Little Hitchcock mm-hmm. reference. Mm-hmm. 
So it begins. So shall we talk about Arya? Yes, please. Doubleberry pancakes. I really like the the first shot of Arya after the credits. It's it's looking in through a bunch of foliage into her bedroom window. There's all these kind of like leaves and branches, and then looking through that into her window as she's like doing whatever, getting ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. Interesting shot, um, and I'm pretty sure that's all it's set, but it looks pretty lifelike. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the Ella comes up to her room to inform her that her father's making doubleberry pancakes, which is the familiar metaphor that. Things are finally getting back to normal in the uh, Montgomery household. Yeah, except for Mikey, who's still being a douche. Yeah, Mike is a, Mike is a teen rebellious he's, douche. He, he's a, just a sad, rebellious teen now because his parents dared to get it separated for, like, what, a month? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Mikey. Like how Ella's, uh, she's getting ready for her first day of teaching at the school. She's going to be taking Fitz's class. And she's kind of like, so how do I look, Arya? And Arya's just like, what? Like, like Arya obviously forgot and could not care less about Ella teaching at school. Yeah. Well, I like that she's like, you look good. Wait, you look better than normal. Wait. <laughs> What's well, the, going on? The here? only thing that seems to really register with Arya is that she's taking Fitz's class. Yeah. She just makes Arya frowny face. <laughs> um. So, yeah, later... Uh, it's it's school. Uh, it's apparently after Ella's first period teaching Arya and the other girls mm-hmm. physical class, and Ella runs into Arya in the school hallway as she's with the other girls, even though she's not supposed to. Right. And at first, Ella's like, she's like, "Hey, we should talk," and Arya's like, "Oh, sorry, I just bumped into them or something." Um, but Ella's like, "No, not about that." So Arya, Arya assumes that Ella's like would like a, a critique of her her teaching style. <laughs> And she's like, oh, you know, this was good. This was not so good. Your handwriting could be better. But all in all, good job, mom. You know? <laughs> and Ella's like, thanks. Like their peers. <laughs> yeah, like their peers. <laughs> and Ella's like, look, asshole. That's not, <laughs> that is not what I was asking for here. Listen, bitch. <laughs> I just needed to give you, like, your brother's keys because he forgot them or something like that. Also, don't hang out your friends anymore. Yeah. Now, now that we're... Uh... Even though they've been on the table here. Even though she's been hanging out with him constantly. Although I guess it's supposed to be like a lot of sneaking around hanging out rather than like uh, around the parents hanging out, you know? Yeah. No, I guess so... presumably they all like made up some weird excuse to go meet Spencer at the pawn shop. Yeah. You They're would think their sick. parents would be like, huh, that's weird. You seem to need to like go out and do weird stuff a lot now, now that you're grounded from senior friends. You girls study at the library a lot more than usual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently Mike goes to the park, the, to the basketball courts every day after school to play pickup games. And he's been doing that for months. That's his thing is he plays pickup basketball after school. And so that's where Arya is directed to go to give Mike his keys back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, Mike's not there. And after talking to one of the random basketball players, she discovers he hasn't been coming there for months. Oh, shit. I just want to point out, there is a lot of dunking going on in this, like, high school student pickup game of basketball. One point of the, Arya finds out the information about her little brother from this single black eye at the school. Yeah, yeah, single black eye. But there, like, that, that dunking session that this, like, the, the shot starts out with, like, a whole bunch of dudes dunking. It's mm-hmm. like, it's some behind the back stuff. It's some throwing it down. <laughs> it's like one of those, like, seven foot rims or something. 
some like Harlem Globetrotters nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the guys' is ADR is nothing but net, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also playing basketball is a shirtless Jason De, La- De Laurentiis. Shirtless and sweaty, yeah. Is it just me or is he wearing like really low rise gym shorts? Yeah, well, he's really trying like, to show off like the whole package there. Like he seems like he's a little stoned. <laughs> yeah. Talking about what a stoner he used to be, and that most of what he remembers from when when he was a teenager, when he was Mike's age, was stuff that he wishes he could forget. Which he says, was "Ugh." He says, "I don't remember a lot of my teenagers' teenage years." Parentheses because I was high. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, one of the things he does remember though was Arya's pink hair. Jason actually says it was cool. And Arya's like, really? <laughs> well, and he says that Arya always does the unexpected, which I can't remember who, but somebody said the same thing about Arya in the last episode. She does the unexpected. It's a very strange thing to say about Arya. Uh, even Arya doesn't know what to take of that. Mm-hmm. She's vaguely amused that he liked her pink hair. So so much so that later she's home alone with the doors locked and she's creeped out. And she's in the dark. She's talking to Spencer on the phone when Spencer and her hang up. Arya walks to an old photo of her family, uh, presumably from right before the Iceland. Probably like a couple of years ago, yeah. And she her, proceeds to caress the <laughs> pink stripe in her hair in she's, the picture. She's admiring her her old pink hair in the photo. Yeah, she caresses it, runs her hand over it, all of that. It's such a weird, <laughs> amazing Arya scene. Arya's like, yeah, I did look good with pink hair. Fuck yeah. And then she hears a scary noise, and of course, it's just Mike, who scares let's, the shit out of her. Let's the back up just a moment. Um, Jason DeLaurentis here. What is his timeline? He he doesn't remember anything about that last summer, because he was high like the the entire summer. Right. Um, he apparently doesn't remember anything all the way back through high school as well, because he was high. He's like 28 or something, right? This is... Yeah, I don't know. But like how, long, like, how long were you high? Like 12 years? This is more than just like typical teenager drug use. I mean, he is seemingly like an amnesiac. Yeah. He's it's like, like, I literally don't remember 12 whole years of my life. He's like, I remember turning 13 mm-hmm. and then I was 26. <laughs> but like, they've so completely just like swept under the rug the uh, preppy Jason and Deer from season one. Well, s- sometimes it seems like Jason's like, three years older than them. Like it, yeah. it, sometimes he seems to act like he's just out of high school and like setting himself straight. But then other times it's like, actually, no, if, if he was in class with Melissa, then he'd be like late twenties. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they, they keep it very nebulous. Like how old Jason, Melissa and Garrett are at one point. I'm pretty sure we, we determined that she was like class of 2000. So she would be like 28 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and but yeah, they're they're really hitting up that the Jason number two seems like somebody who like seems like he's a little fried after his drug years. He does a lot of like like especially in his scenes with Arya where he just like stares at her. He'll say something and just stare it blankly at her as Arya admires her own pink hair. Yeah, Arya likes the attention. She doesn't dislike the attention, even though Jason's actually kind of creepy. He's, he, well, I mean, let's face it. If he hadn't had, you know, access to a gym, he'd be, mm. he'd be Lucas. Somewhat. I mean, yeah. so, so are we to assume that, say, Jason's, let's say he's 26 even. Okay. Uh, 
So when he he was like 24 for that summer that he was high the whole summer when Allison disappeared, would that mm-hmm. add up? Like 24 year old living at home apparently has a lot of like anime porn in his room that Allison likes to steal. Like what's going on with the uh, Dillerantis parents there? Oh, that's a seriously good question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's like, it's like we're almost supposed to buy that like two years ago he was 19, but now he's 28. Yeah. It is a, a weird thing. I do wonder if maybe there's something in the books where like the age is different and that tripped them up at some point. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like Melissa, Ian, and Jason are all older than they should be for the narrative. Yeah. Like they should be like class of 2005, not 2000. Jason's just like the thing is I'm 26 and I don't remember a lot of my past because I was stoned all the time mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that I should really only be like 21 mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean I've looked at my birth certificate and shit it's like that whole lost 300 years uh, conspiracy theory have you ever read that no no what's that that the dark ages never existed oh that like all of European history for like 300 years and like Things like six hundred and nine hundred like didn't happen. Well, how does that theory come to life? What do you mean? Like, I mean, like, how does someone one concoct that theory? The theory was that like whoever is there the, archaeological the, evidence that's missing? No, no, it, it it doesn't hold up scrutiny. But the theory would be that uh, whoever the rulers were at the time like made up their own backstory to make their kingdom sound more impressive, and so that we were actually being like the 17 or 1800s right now. Isn't know? that like a part of Scientology is that Zenu like forced the alien convicts or whatever to watch like a, like a 50 day long video that included like, like I history no as idea. we know it. No idea. Um, anyway, so Arya's alone in the house caressing her, her house hair. is all like dark wood paneling. There's no lights on anywhere. It's just a cr- creepy Arya. house. Arya was in a very rich, woody, haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, she hears a noise. It's Mike. He surprises her. He scares the shit out of her. She's like, oh. And he just kind of laughs about it like mm-hmm. an asshole. He's like, ah. Then she interrogates him about where the hell he's been. I like how she won't give his keys back until uh, he spills. And he's basically just like here and there. You know? Yeah, he's like an asshole, like teenage villain. Mm-hmm. And then he blackmails her. She's like, well, I'm going to tell mom and dad. And he's like, no, you won't. Not if you don't want me to tell them about how you keep sneaking out to hang out with your friends. Arya's like, that's not even the juiciest secret I'm keeping today. Yeah. Like, try again, you little bitch. <laughs> but I like how he says, like, he's all, like, bratty about the parents and, you know, the quasi-separation they had. And he says, you think all of us eating pancakes together and everything's okay? And Arya, like, her facial expression is like, well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, Arya's like, yeah. yeah what? It's pancakes, you know. Who, does, who doesn't like pancakes? Yeah. In my fanfiction add-on to this scene, rather than everywhere else they go with this Mike storyline, Arya just slaps him at that point. See, in my fanfiction for this scene, the next time you see Arya, she's got the pink hair. Yeah. Just so does Mike. It. Yeah. <laughs> but Mike does have one good moment this episode later when Byron comes home and he's Byron's doing his whole we're a happy family thing and Mike stops by and uh, Byron asks Mike about the basketball game which we know he wasn't at and I like how the way he lies he goes oh yeah it was good Arya watched it for a couple minutes like I like the way he forces her into the lie yeah and he gives her the creepy look too like mm-hmm. go along with it mm-hmm. I just dare you to not go along with it and Arya's just like yeah okay 
you notice Arya, she's wearing a necklace in this episode that has this like bizarre like metal spike is like the, the kind of centerpiece of the necklace. Did you notice that? Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. It's that's like a two and a half inch long metal spike hanging from that necklace. Arya's got just the most brilliant fashion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like he he makes her complicit in this lie, and Arya's like, this isn't even like the lamest lie that I've backed into this this week. I mean, come on, like, but Arya should be taking notes here. This is how you force someone to lie with you. Yes. Um, but I think that's about it for Arya, other than the, like the closing stuff. So yeah, that's, that's, let's talk about yeah. Hannah. I got a lot of notes on Hannah. Um, again, as everything. Hannah's scenes always start with her coming to the kitchen, Ashley, in some kind of preparation of breakfast. Mm. But Ashley wants Hannah to go to a solo sesh with the therapist. She's the only one who has, and all the other girls apparently off screen have been having at least one solo session with therapy, Anne, but Hannah has not. She's been avoiding it. Yeah. And she says, Can't we just watch Intervention and say that I went? (laughs) (laughs) No, Hannah's dad, though presumably he's still around. She actually mentions him, so he's he's like around somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so at school, she runs into Lucas. He's being super pouty about the, that Danielle chick some more. Uh, I like how he like he talks about how like every time he thinks about it, like he gets a stomach ache or something. And Hannah does have this really cute expression that it's condescending, but in like a friendly way, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she's just like, oh, the. Lucas has the most ridiculous line ever because his 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 conflict here is that the incredibly hot, cute yearbook girl wants to date him, and it's making him so uncomfortable that he can't live with it. And he tells Hannah, "I'm com- I've been completely off my game." <laughs> yeah, and Hannah rightly points out, "You don't have any game." Exactly. If Hannah had like a pie in her hand, she'd shove it in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lucas, he basically, he tries to rope Hannah into coming along. She's like, no, I'm not going to be a third wheel. And he's like, well, why don't you bring Caleb too? It could be like a double date. Yeah. Fuck you, Lucas. But I just have to wonder, did Caleb set this whole thing up? Yeah, I wonder. Well, Caleb, so we Caleb's out- like, well, you know, what would help is if you had like other people there with you. So it was not like a single date. I don't know who those other people would be. I wish that, I wish that Caleb was that manipulative, but mostly I feel like <laughs> Caleb was just like, we should double date. You should set that up. I'm trying to put it to Hannah again. <laughs> See, for Arya, it would be like, Arya as Kayla would be like, well, you know, you do only have two friends, me and, and Hannah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you could double date. <laughs> uh, but the detail we get is that, as a reminder, Lucas and Kayla were living together. But not just that, they share bunk beds. Yeah. Kayla <laughs> makes a crack about the action figures in, in the boxes. Uh, and Hannah points out that they're collectibles. I want to point out Hannah's hair here. Yeah, it looks like something out of like Skyrim or something. There's like uh, like tendrils like that start in the front and kind of like these little tendril braid whatever things like go back from her forehead back underneath other hair. Like it's a really bizarre look for Hannah. <laughs> it looks a little pixelated. Mm-hmm. So Hannah goes to therapy. She's not really ready to talk yet. Uh, therapy Anne says Allison's still there for Hannah. Yeah. Hannah has a lot of anger and grief, and it's all mixed up together. Well, the therapist also says that she wanted the liars to be separated in the first place so they could gain perspective. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, so the therapist recommends that Hannah should be having conversations with Allison, basically addressing an empty chair that represents Allison. She says, what would you say to Allison if you could? And Hannah stares at that empty chair and then says, time's up. Yeah. <laughs> Takes off. Oh, therapy yeah. Anne. I'm going to say, I, I do not trust therapy Anne. There's something well, about her. Half the time, she seems like an insidious cipher. Mm-hmm. And the other half time, she seems like a robot that looks, doesn't know where she is. Mm-hmm. That's something of Annabeth Gish to me. She doesn't seem like a real person. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so there is like a short scene here where like Lucas is at in the cafeteria. He's got his lunch and uh, that Danielle chick sitting down. She's like sitting with a, a friend, like a girlfriend. Um, and there's like a chair there that Lucas could go sit in, but instead he like bails and goes and sits somewhere else. And Hannah and Caleb both like independently witness this, and they're just like, "Man, that kid's a fucking disaster." Well, and he keeps like looking back at Hannah, like, yeah. like look at all the social anxiety you're like, you're, like you're forcing upon me. Mm-hmm. And this so is what Caleb- I wanted Hannah to whip out the the, uh, the flask again. I really did. So Caleb's like, well, you know, we might as well help this guy out and double date. And Hannah's just like, it won't be a date. And Caleb's like, whatever. <laughs> Caleb's like, yeah, well. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. So later we, we see the date. I guess they're going to like the movies or a concert. I don't know well, what they're, they're first, doing. Yeah, first they're going to have pizza at Hannah's and then they're, then they're going to go to the movies. I love that this is the usual double date routine. Yeah. It involves yeah. Hannah. You eat the pizza. It, it also Hannah involves Hannah's place. house. Yeah. Yeah. Order the a pizza. Hang out. Hannah's like totally doing the mom thing. And I like she realizes that she's doing the mom thing where she like, she keeps coming over to check on Lucas and Danielle and like pour some soda for her. <laughs> and she realizes that she's turning into her mother. Uh, Which when your mother's Ashley Marin, that's not a bad thing. Right, right. It'd just be wine instead of soda. This yeah. is a double date that is nothing but like misunderstood signals from everybody. I think Danielle sums it up best when she says, "This blows." Yeah. Well, this she says, "This blows," and then Lucas responds with, "I'm having a good time. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> so Danielle thinks that Hannah uh, is still like into Lucas, and is like keeps trying to come over and put moves on. And that she only brought Caleb to make Lucas jealous. And she says an interesting thing. um, She says, aren't you like jealous to Lucas? And he says, no. And she says, I would be. Now, is she saying that she would rather be with Caleb? Or is she saying that if she were Lucas, she would rather be with Hannah? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Both seem accurate. Yeah. Lucas is a... It's not exactly going well, date-wise. Yeah. Lucas is a self-destructing son of a bitch. Even though Danielle, the cute yearbook girl, is reiterating that she likes Lucas, yeah, which she, is a mystery unto itself. Exactly. She says that she does like like him and wants to hang out with him, and she just like skeeds by this Hannah chick hanging around. Well, and more and more, as Lucas falls prey to these like social anxieties of his, to mm-hmm. me, he keeps coming off more as like, Oh, he comes off as a gay teenager. To me, he just comes off as just a total douche in this episode. Well, he's a douche. He is no matter what he is, what his affiliation is. He's a he's a massive like entitled douche. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Caleb points out, Lucas worries way too yeah. much about what other people think of him. Exactly. So 
at some point in this like failure of a date, he comes over to talk to Han and Caleb and, uh, he points out that like, uh, Danielle thinks that Hannah is like still into him. And I like how Hannah says, I told her I was over you. And just to be clear, <laughs> Lucas is like, yeah, I got it. But this is the douchey thing that Lucas says. He says, I guess I was just kidding myself when I thought I could let go of who everyone thinks I am and just be myself. Uh, Which I just wrote down, oh, fuck off, Lucas. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, like, no no written, one in yeah. the room is like, oh, this Lucas, he's putting on airs. I actually have written down in my notes in three separate places, go fuck yourself, Lucas. Everyone in the room is totally cool with who Lucas is except for himself, you know? Yeah. And the girl just told you, hey, I'd rather be on a solo date with you. Yeah. What's the problem? But anyway, so but Hannah, Hannah and Caleb, Hannah and Caleb had to kind of like get a little cozier together because then it makes uh, Danielle kind of get a little jealous and like get cozy with Lucas. So, arm, yeah, so yeah, Caleb's Hannah, arm around Hannah means Danielle grabs Lucas's hand to hold hands, which happens immediately. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Caleb says, that was easy. And Hannah says, well, I'm not. And Caleb smirks a little because, you know, he's already had sex with her. Yeah, and he will again. Yeah. Um, so the next day at school, Lucas comes by and gives Hannah a really shitty thank you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a very condescending thank you. I do want to point out there's a great little shot of Hannah eating an apple as he, uh, like, knocks on her door. <laughs> I was like when they have these characters eating apples. It's very, uh, very Garden of Eden, you know. Very suggestive, yeah. A little lot of things. Yeah. Um he he tells her that she's come a long way from being just one of Allison's cronies, which will set up the rest of this episode. Well, it's like, but, fuck you, Lucas. Yeah. He basically thanks her for helping him and for not being selfish. The implication is like parentheses, you know, for a change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like the way they edit it is very interesting because then he leaves and it's like for a moment there. Hannah, like, it's like she's realized, wait, I wasn't, there was nothing in it for me. Oh. <laughs> she actually has this kind of, like, scrunched up, like, oh. Although there, there kind of is. I mean, she's claiming not to want to hang out with Caleb, but we all know. We all know what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. Uh, which all this leads her to going to see the therapist. She goes back to see therapy, Anne, even though it's not, like, her, her session time or whatever. And so she finally has the uh, the pretend chat with Allison. She says, you're the best friend I ever had, but you're also the worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about how Allison would make her feel special and but just do horrible things to her at the same time. And then uh, I do like the kind of, you know, imaginary Allison kind of appears to respond. You know, you got uh, the actress Sasha Pieter there. Well, so the way they the way they put it together is fascinating for this show. Because then therapy Anne is like, uh, and what do you imagine Allison would say to all <laughs> yeah. this? And they, they cut over to like the chairs spinning around and there's Allison. And it's like they leave room for like the audience to be like, <gasps> well, <laughs> they, that's clearly an, uh, imaginary. They shoot Hannah really well in this scene too. It's sort of a low angle off to the side. It, it really does make her look kind of, uh, scared and intimidated of Allison, you know, like it, Good work, both the the framing and the acting by uh, Ashley Benson. You can you can see the power that Allison still has over her. Yeah, but at the same time, this is her like confronting mm-hmm. you know, those shackles. Yeah, but so Hannah basically imagines Allison turning around in that chair and being a huge bitch to her. Well, Allison's essentially communicating that everyone else is going to leave you, Hannah, except for me. I'm the only one that won't, and I'm the only one who will tell you the truth. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll keep you from being hefty Hannah. It's, it's very much, it's, it's all like self-loathing basically. Like all this projection that Hannah has, uh, about Allison is Allison will be the only one who tells her the truth, you know, i.e. like damages her self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Well, so then eventually you know, the conversation ends. Hannah feels pretty good about her imaginary conversation. The therapist seems pleased. I can't help but think like in the, in the, the parlance of television, like what was physically happening there? Probably she was just saying what Allison would say. Okay, because I was wondering, is like she just saying the Hannah lines? Yeah. And the therapist is just like watching, just like, this is very good. This is the therapist's very like, holy good. shit. She's and hallucinating. It, it, it all seems a little crazy. Mm-hmm. But Allison essentially rejects Allison and says, you're not allowed in my life anymore without permission. So that's, yeah. that's where she is. She's getting a little bit emotionally healthier. Which is a good thing to eventually tell your dead friend a year mm-hmm. after they've been dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, to me, this episode kind of cements the idea that Hannah's the, she may be dumb in other ways, but she's the most emotionally intelligent of the four girls. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because the four girls have all taken on different aspects of Allison's personality. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're, and they're, they're dealing with those crosses to bear in their own ways and how, and, and Hannah's, in some ways, Hannah's the last one to really deal with it. Because, you know, Ari and Spencer aren't really dealing with it, but they're yeah, more but functional. She, she's also the first one to really have a breakthrough about it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She sees it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get a very weird scene where it's like the therapist by herself. She's coming back. Oh, to let's office. say that. Let's let's say that for the, the closing section. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Emily. Well, oh, okay, because I would say there's quite a bit of Hannah after. Yeah, yeah. The, I've got everything basically, like, as soon as Melissa... Uh, Okay. What does Melissa do? She, yeah, Emily. Yeah. Right. Okay, so Emily, at the beginning of the episode, uh, she once again finds that letter from Danby and reads it again for no particular reason. And then the mom walks in with like a bunch of shit from Danby University, all this like, uh, like sweatshirts and bumper stickers and crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the scout sent them. Of course, the scout is A. Mm-hmm. The little note in there that says, uh, so glad to have you on the A team. I just gotta say it. LOLA. You're yeah. awesome. You really are. Uh, now really now A, A's got Emily by the short hairs here. I mean, she's got Emily complicit in a lie. Like, Emily had like one chance to get out of it. She didn't. And so now it's, you know, it's just going to build up deeper. Well, it, as one of the girls, I think it was Aria, said to Emily during the opening of the episode, only A can make you feel bad about your mom feeling good. Exactly. And it's like, it's A finally has some like purchase into Emily again. You know what I mean? She, it's like, she hasn't for gonna, a while, yeah. You're going to come out on me, bitch? I'll ruin you. Mm-hmm. I'll ruin your family. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Then there's Samara. Well, so yeah, it's a, seemingly another swim meet just happened because Emily's walking out and Samara's there and she's cheering Emily on. And she's talking about the whole Danby thing and how cool it is because, like, she knows somebody's going there or something like that. Um, and so Emily's like, how did you know about this? And apparently Pam's been telling everyone, told the whole swim team and just bragging about it to everyone because that's what parents do. Well, I just want to point out, I mean, it makes sense. Obviously, this is a swim meet. Mm-hmm. This is like post-swim meet. But there's another point in this episode later on where I just want to make clear that Samara doesn't go to the school. Oh, yeah, we'll address it, yeah. Uh, uh but Samara, she's real impressed for Emily, and she starts making some noises about maybe going to Danby too. And Emily starts to look just like she's like disgusted. And 
Samara's like, uh, do you not want to go to Danby or do you not want me to go with you to Danby? Yeah. And Emily basically says that, like, she, it's interesting that she doesn't mention A, she just says that she wrote the letter. You know, the letter's fake. Well, she, she, she implies it and Samara fills in the blanks. Oh, obviously you, you sent it to yourself. And Emily's just like, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, for a moment there, and they don't give her the full space because Pam shows up again, but Samara seems to be on the verge of being like seriously impressed with Emily having mailed a letter to herself that saved her own ass. Mm. And then Pam shows up, and I think this is the first time she's met Samara. I think so, yeah. And well, she there's, says, I've heard so much about you. Well, there is that, uh, she does one of those like kind of double takes where it's like, Oh, you're Emily's friend. Oh, you're Emily's friend. Like, there's one, yeah. kind of one of those, you know, where it's it's like, oh, right. This isn't like you being friends with the other liars. This is a different kind of friend, you know. This is a friend, lady friend. So she invites Samara over for dinner. Good for Pam. Um, Samara accepts. It's it. Samara's just like the anti Maya, pretty much. Yeah. Later on, uh, when they're like getting ready for dinner, Samara's looking through an old scrapbook that Pam made about Emily. And so Pam discovers that Samara's really into scrapbooking too. And they kind of, she makes like, like shitty small talk with like the mother-in-law type scene. But the point of that, they're like, they're hanging on Emily's bed. They're waiting for like dinner to be served. Emily is showing Samara this old photo album of pictures of herself as a kid, which Mm -hmm. is on one hand romantic, on the other hand, like incredibly narcissistic. <laughs> uh, no, it could be something where Samara saw it and it was like, ooh, let me see. Yeah. You're right, though, because like, Samara is the anti page because the whole point that Samara pitches this, this her involvement in this dinner to Emily is that obviously Emily is, you know, uptight about her mom and this fake letter. And Samara is basically saying, I'll be there for you. I know this is a tense situation. Maybe we can have it come out during dinner that the letter's not real or something. And with and me I'll there, be there, so yeah, it won't be as big. The as fallout you. will be less, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like she's trying to just make Emily's life easier, which was not Paige's thing at all. <laughs> no. Well, and Pam is like, oh, this chick likes scrapbooking. Like this is a lesbian I can work with. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is my kind of lesbian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Pan's talking about, oh, we got to go to Danby and visit. I need to call that scout and thank him. And, and Emily's like, oh, that doesn't sound like a good idea. And Samara comes up with a great lie about how, uh, like, she knows somebody who's, like, like the coach at Stanford. Or I can't remember what her lie is. Something about knowing somebody with connections. Or, like, her dad well, yeah, knows somebody yeah. with connections. Yeah, she's basically saying take the Danby thing and pivot it. You know, as a negotiation tool. She's saying, don't don't commit to anyone yet. You don't want to scare off other schools. Like, it's cool that you Big have this, but, yeah. but don't, uh, don't you know, just take the, the first offer you get. Yeah. And, and there's that line where Pam's just like, well, that seems reasonable. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's, that's just a good lie, Pam. Yeah. Which is all Pam really wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the next day at school and Samara's there. This is where Samara or Emily says, I was going to ask you if you'd secretly transferred to Rosewood without telling me. Yeah. And Samara's just like, no, haha, I'm just always here. Yeah. Much like Toby for several episodes. See, and you don't really remember Samara at all, at all from the first time you watch the show, right? I vaguely remember her from like her first appearance, just because I remember it was right around the time of like 
Caleb and Mona and the you know the letter yeah. the soda on the letter. Well, but she's she's definitely my favorite of uh, of Emily's girlfriends. I think you can see why. Well, Samara's you know not unattractive or anything. Like she's just kind of a normal blonde girl. But uh, in this episode, is mostly because of wardrobe selections. I was like, Samara is looking good. Well, she more importantly, she's sane. You know? yeah. Like. She's pretty cool. She doesn't like immediately judge Emily for doing something shady. She's a good liar. Helps Emily out, but she's not crazy. She's not like weirdly possessive or anything. Well, and she's like, how can I make you more comfortable? Mm-hmm. How can I help you like ease into this situation? Which no, it was not. Like, how can I uncomplicate something? That was that was not Paige's move at all. Paige was just like, let me add a dash of fucking crazy on top mm-hmm. of the supernova. Yeah. So the ultimate takeaway here is that the the lie seems to work because now Emily's mom's online checking out all the other colleges that are out there. Um, so now Emily and Samara can continue to date. Uh, and, you know, just see where things go. There's no, like, deadline on their relationship. Yeah, they get that date, too. Date number two. Mm-hmm. So that's where they're at. Spencer. Spencer. Melissa's still looking for her ring. Um, not just that, now. Not just that. She's digging around in drawers and pulls out a passport. Of course, uh, Spencer's immediately just like, why do you have a passport? And Melissa says it's Ian's, uh, it's for the insurance or something. She needs a passport for the insurance right. claim on the wing. Yeah. She can't find the ring, so she's going to do an insurance claim on it. And Spencer's like, oh, I'm sure the ring will still turn up, even though she knows it's a fucking lie. <laughs> uh, and Alyssa says, I'd rather find my husband. Which, which I wanted Spencer to be like, oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. He's dead. <laughs> He's real dead. Um we're going to talk about Ian's passport more in this episode. I can, I can guarantee you that. But yeah, Spencer, she goes to the hospital and she, she confronts Ren. I want to point out before she goes there, there's like a brief thing when they're, I think it's before Arya gets interrupted by her mom or they're walking in the hallway and someone, I think it's Emily says, like apparently they're talking about going to see Ren because Emily says, are you sure that's safe? And Spencer turns her and says, no. <laughs> so. So she goes to visit Ren at the hospital. Ren's got like a hot nurse assistant. Yeah. Uh, some, some hot nurse chick hanging out with him who seems like there might, like, like, like that nurse, like Spencer walks up and she's still hanging around. And Spencer says, I'm sorry, this is kind of important. Could you not be here right now? She <laughs> dismisses her wonderfully. But you kind of get the feeling that like Ren might be like uh, dating this chick on the side, or at least an FWB thing. Or he's enjoying the fact that he's a doctor, mm-hmm. and he can probably make it with the nurses. Yeah. Um, even though he talks the way he talks, because so he's we- like, "Oh, Spencer, pish posh, what are you doing here, love? Cup of tea." So Spencer just dispatches that nurse. He's like, yeah. "Get the fuck out of here, lady." Yeah. She she almost like it's like if she like took her clipboard and just like threw it in the other room and mm-hmm. said why don't you go get that? Um, yeah. Gi- so giving Ren the third degree on what's going on, uh, Ren says that Melissa wanted meds and supplies, and that Ian will only tell Melissa where he is uh, when she has the drugs. But he couldn't give her everything because there are some painkillers that he can't give out without you know losing his job. Vicodin and oxycotton. 
assuming that's what we're talking about there. Let's read between the lines, folks. I could use my that's job the, for that. Yeah. That's the only thing in the hospital that matters. You've all seen Lost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he says that he, he got involved because he felt responsible for Melissa basically like throwing herself back at Ian. Well, let's let's take dumpster. a look at this. Let's take a look at this excuse here. This is his reason for helping Melissa. He feels responsible for driving her back to Ian. This does not check out at all because he's helping her, like you know, skip the country or, or something like that with Ian. You know what I mean? Well, well, his point is that she's back with Ian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he, he's it basically what he's saying is he's he's doing anything that Melissa asks because he feels bad about how shitty her lot in life is. But no, he says specifically, I feel responsible for making her get with Ian, presumably because Ian's this crazy guy. No, what, he, what he's saying is that basically whatever she would ask, whatever favor she would ask, he would do or try to do because he feels guilty. It's not. But that's not what he says. He says, I feel responsible for dri- somewhat responsible for driving her back to Ian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would he help her get more back with Ian? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but he's ba- basically what, he, what what's happening is that he would do literally anything that she asked. If she said that I'm gonna ha- make a sex tape of Ian and I need you to hold the camera, he'd be like, "Well, I do feel guilty about ABC TV family metaphor fucking your sister." And then at the so same sure. time, he he claims ignorance to Ian's attack on Spencer. He's like, "I didn't know that." Spencer's like, "He tried to murder me." He's like, "Oh, oh, like how would he not know that? Maybe he just reads the paper. I don't know." <laughs> he's just like. By Jove, are you serious? But he's not going to help Spencer now because every time he, he, he gets involved, people end up getting hurt. Every time I get involved with you and your sister, people end up getting hurt. Is his exact line, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. Don't you want people to say that kind of thing about you? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that should be on a, on a business card. There's a great bit where Spencer, on my resume. Spencer comes home and there's a note on the the door which. This, has, this is like what, like the side door to the house or something there? I would love to see a floor plan of the Hastings house. Well, you, you actually see for the first time, I think in this episode, the entire side view of the house. Kind of, yeah. But and, that's, and I think that's still that, like only like the back of the house or something. Though. Well, we realize that we've only ever been treated to like 15% of this house. Yeah. So <laughs> this the note, is a sprawling complex, yeah. The note, Spencer reads the note in a hilarious fashion. She says... The note, this is Spencer reading, she says, We'll be late. Take care of your sister. Exclamation point. Mom, that sounds like a fun evening. Yeah, Spencer's fantastic. I like to think that Troy and Belisario did like 50 takes of this scene. Mm -hmm. Just a name. I would like to think that this was like the opening shot of the social network. As far as (laughs) the level of craft put into it. Take care of your sister. Exclamation point. Yeah, Spencer's awesome this episode. If you haven't picked up on that yet, pick up on it. So she goes uh, to to talk to Melissa, presumably to just like get all up in her shit, because that's what Spencer does anytime she gets any piece of information. Um, but Melissa's in the shower, and like the door is like o- kind of open, so she can go inside. Here's Melissa's in the shower, uh, mm-hmm. and sees like a. It's not quite an overnight bag. It's a little bit bigger, but like a a suitcase. It's it's a, I'm leaving the country quickly back. Yeah, it's a, it's like a burn bag. Um, just sitting there next to the uh, the door like it's about to get taken out. And mm-hmm. so Spencer, like any good PI, starts snooping around while Melissa's in the shower. Mm-hmm. Finds the uh, the medicine 
that Ren gave Melissa inside the, the suitcase, all, as well as Ian's passport. OMG, Ian has the douchiest passport photo of all time. <laughs> it's it's very, uh, like, it's the expression on his face, I think, is what makes it. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like a douche glamour shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, like, he's, like, squinting, like he's got the sun in his eyes. It's obviously a much later in the chronology show, but like it kind of reminds me of the dude from Rosewood, like the one chick's boyfriend. The dude he, from he Rosewood. Has, or I'm sorry, Ravenswood. Um, oh right, 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 right. right he's got right, like yeah. the the douche hair where it's like really big yeah. on the side, you know, big helmet of hair. Yeah. yeah, with like a not quite a sneer. It's like narrowed eyes, you know. Yeah. He's 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 doing blue steel. Mm-hmm. He's just like stop, stop. Yeah. Uh, so, later on at night, Melissa's putting a lot of shit in her car trunk, um, as spied on by Spencer through the window. And then Ren at the hospital calls Melissa and tells her that, you know, he's thought about it. And based on what she's describing, Ian quite possibly has a staph infection. And so, he, before he gives her any more medicine, he wants to physically, personally inspect Ian or, or, or you know, whatever, like, examine him mm-hmm. as set up by Spencer. Yeah. So, just to back up a bit, uh, I after Spencer snooping around in Melissa's stuff, you know, shower turns off, so Spencer quickly zips up the bag and ducks outside, and mm-hmm. there's just the right amount of time between when Spencer leaves the door and then when Melissa appears. Like, it's it's great timing. I would, I would disagree with that, because it's almost comical how quickly... Melissa and her towel pops out that door. Watch it again. Watch it again. I would say the timing is perfect. It is just enough of a delay to make it believable. Well, only because you, the audience, do not watch Spencer duck behind literally the nearest plant. But they, they do a thing where like kind of like Melissa, like it's obviously like the the difference between like a set and like a real house. Like Melissa does a thing where she kind of like looks at like, you know, pans her head left to right and then they cut, you know, her opposite POV. No, they don't, they don't cut. They just move the camera over. Well, they, they show you what appears to be the side view of the Hastings home. No, No, you're, you're like confusing things. Melissa comes out. In her bathrobe, hair so wet, and she's like Spencer, yeah. you know, because she she senses somebody's in the house, and then she scowls and walks back in, and the camera just pans over, and you see that there's in front of the the barn, there's like a like a planter with some trees, and Spencer's just like over on the other side of it hiding. Yeah, that's where she ultimately is. But they do a shot. No, there is no there is no other shot. It's a single it's a single sh- move over. It's a pan. In this episode, they show a side view of the of the Spencer Hastings home. They do at another point in the episode. What I'm pointing out right here, though, is it just pans right over to her. What part of the episode is it, then? I thought it was right there. No, I think it's earlier. Well, my point is, in this episode, you do, for the first time ever, just like, uh, what was it, two episodes, or last episode, we finally saw the, or within the last few episodes, we finally saw, like, the gate Mm -hmm. in front of the the Hastings house, which we never knew. Yeah, the big walled gate. And now we're seeing, like, a, for the first time ever, like, a, like a, a side view of this home. And it's like, you're really only seeing, like, 10% of the house in the I various would, sets they use. I would guess that there's probably a specific house somewhere in L.A. that they use as Spencer's home yeah. Yeah. for the exteriors. But um, they can't always get it. Like, I think Breaking Bad was a show where, like, 
they couldn't get uh, Jesse Pinkman's house for like a year for like a whole season. Like the owners didn't want to let him shoot there or something like that. So they oh, had to just have... the show was about meth. Yeah. <laughs> it's something like that. I think that's a show I'm thinking of where like for a whole season, they didn't have the house. So they couldn't shoot exteriors there. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, so Spencer has seemingly used this information about Ian's passport, uh, and Melissa's like burn bag to recruit Ren. Now Ren's in on it. Ren's going to set up a meet. Yeah. Um, so later Ren calls to tell Spencer that Melissa finally, huh? Let's move into the closing here. Cause right before that happens, therapy Ann comes back to her place, her office and it's trashed Yeah. and written on the wall and red ink. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is fascinating. It, the office is trash. You're right. I mean, like, like, the like, like couch cushions are torn up. Like, things are broken everywhere. She immediately zones in on the clock, which is sitting on the floor. It's smashed. She picks up the clock. She stares at the clock for a minute. And it's like, from that, she then looks behind her at the wall where the clock should have been, where it now says in red letters, Nosy bitches die. Well, I think that the focus on the clock is to show that this seemingly happened right after her session with Hannah. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I just love that she picks up the clock, and then she, it's like she immediately turns back to where the clock should have been, which is where the words are. I, I mm. find that, I don't, for some reason, just fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the old classic thing that the broken clock will tell you when the clock was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then. Ashley comes rushing home to, well, no. Well, first, so. Yeah, Spencer, sorry, the Spencer thing comes first. Spencer's, she's set up, Ren's gonna set up the meet, uh, she finally gets the call, or Ren gets the call from Melissa, and then he, he lets Spencer know, they're, you know, the meet's on. Uh, so Spencer knows, she calls her banners, you know, sends out the SOS messages to all the liars. Well, she hangs up on Spencer, or on Ian, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, on Ren, Ren, because Ren's just like, well, hold up. And Spencer's like, no time. I'm on click. my way. Click. Yeah. <laughs> she calls the banners. Hannah gets a text and she's about to leave when Ashley shows up. Yeah. And Ashley's like, Hey, uh, therapy Ann's place just got trashed. Like the police are going to want to talk to you. What, what the hell's going on? It was like right after your session with her. And Hannah's basically just like, I had, I don't have time for this. I need answers. I'm bailing. <laughs> well, and Ashley's demeanor is very interesting. Because she's like, well, what did you guys talk about? And Hannah's like, I thought that was kind of protected between me and her. And Ashley's like, did you talk about something that somebody else would want kept a secret? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Ashley's one of those people. If you're more so than the other girls where I think she accepts that there's probably something very dark in her child's life. And rather than like force her to admit what it is. She's going to protect her. You know what I mean? Like, Ash, again, Ashley will fuck her way out of the I would say, pumps. I would say that's 100% correct. But also, if you're Ashley, aren't you a little worried about what your daughter might say? Yeah. <laughs> a therapy session about you. But you know what I mean? Like, like Mrs. Fields isn't fucking her way out of Emily's problems. She's, she's forcing Emily to admit things that she doesn't want to admit to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Ashley, that, that, that's secondary. It's like making sure that Hannah's safe is her primary goal. Mm-hmm. Then, after they've all had some boxes of wine, she'll deal with, like, what exactly is it that's wrong in your life? Yeah. So, we quickly cut back to the the cops at uh, Therapy Ann's place, and cops point out that there's no sign of forced entry. Like, whoever mm-hmm. did this, like, had access. 
So Ren is with Melissa now. They're driving to like some place in the woods where uh, Spencer's following. It's like some kind of it's like an old like cabin or ranch or something like that in the woods. Yeah. Uh, they get out first, and then the liars show up, and they're following well, from a distance. As they're driving, Hannah, like the four girls are together, get in this car, and Hannah's like, "Do we have a plan?" And Spencer's like, "Working on it." <laughs> is Spencer is Batman in this episode? Arya says she has nine one one on speed dial. Yes. And then she points out, "What if he has a gun? He's a bad guy, right?" Emily wants Which, to call. To me, Gary. that's Arya like playing dumb. Like she's yeah. that's like her throwing people off the scent. Yeah. Emily wants to call Garrett, but Hannah refers to the four of them as the girls who cried wolf. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out, Ian does have a gun. How yeah. did you know that, Arya? <laughs> Maybe because you're A. Uh, so they get there, and they're kind of like hiding in the distance watching as Melissa and Ren are outside of this like ranch place. They say Melissa- one of those lines that you always want to have excuse to say in your real life, which is, there's no turning back now. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa goes inside and again I think the timing is perfect here of her going inside and they continue to wonder what's what's going on and then suddenly screams. Yeah. They all run in. They find Melissa just freaking out inside. There's Ian. Ian has a gun. Ian is dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound apparently. To the head, yeah. Yeah. He he and his body is like that like he's obviously been dead for a while. Like he's, he's like he's like white. He's slumped over against like the like a sidewall or something. Yeah. Uh, next to him is a confession note uh, that yeah. I didn't pause to read the whole thing. Part of it says I killed Allison. You know. Um. He said I killed Allison. I lost my temper because she knew too much. But there's one only so much you can you can bury. It won't be that easy. But pain. I know how to get rid of the pain. I can't hide from the law. Come and find me. And the the. Interesting thing is that all the T's are capitalized. Hmm, weird. Um, there's a great bit where you know all the liars bust in. Like first, Ren is there to like because he was closer, but then the liars bust in. Melissa's yeah. freaking out. Spencer runs up to hug Melissa, and Spencer like she has a great look of confusion on her face. Like, what? Why the fuck are you here? You know, but yeah, like yeah. she's she's too uh like she's in too much of a a state of hysteria to really even process that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of do this great where they kind of pan up above the girls' heads to just above the doorway where there's all this kind of, I don't know, like America, like Southern America. Or, or, there's a bunch of horseshoes nailed to the wall, but yeah. w- one of them is missing, presumably the one that A turned in for the ring. Yeah, there's like Southeast, like like Americana, sh- like, like decoration bullshit mm-hmm. in a barn. Yeah, and then one of them's a horseshoe that's missing. Mm-hmm. And then we get the A tag where A was seemingly outside during this, and A is putting Ian's phone into Spencer's bag. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Yeah, we got some requests from listeners for you not to do that. Whoops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that. So Ian, Ian really is for sure dead now. Yeah. So long, there's Ian. A, there's a body for realsies, and it probably smells funny. It's almost too bad because Ian, I think, is just the the best villain so far in the show. I mean, Nolcon was always a wuss. You never really thought Toby was evil. I mean, uh, Jenna thing obviously is wonderful, but uh, Ian just had like a great villainous like creepiness to him. Here's what was missing from the entire run of of Ian's villainous ways. Hmm. 
that passport photo. <laughs> if they could have somehow like shown that in his very first episode, it perfectly sums up what a douchey bro this guy is. Mm-hmm. This may have to. We I wonder if to, that was just like an earlier photo, like they just went to like that actor's Facebook page or something. Yeah, like I wonder. Like, this is like his casting headshot. Like if mm-hmm. this is how he got the role. <laughs> They're just passing around the photo. Like, look at this fucking dude. Yeah, let's let's cast him. He's the perfect Ian. It's like that one actor. I can't remember his name, but there's this one actor who was always the villain in a bunch of teen '80s movies, like The Karate Kid and like other movies like that. Um, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but it was like, that was his thing was he was just like this huge tool. He was just like the evil, like mean, like, uh, like jock preppy guy at school. In this photo, Ian kind of looks like Jerry O'Connell's like stunt double. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, uh, that was blind dates. Next Mo- week. Moving it's... things along. It's kind of like the, the end of a storyline there. Cause Ian's dead now. Yeah, next week it's the devil you know. The devil you know. Who would be the devil we know? Who wouldn't? Maybe Arya. <laughs> One can only hope. Mm-hmm. Alright, well, we'll uh, talk about that next week. Alright, bye. Bye.